Hello and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I am Mike Masnick. Thanks again to all of you for telling others about this podcast or rating us on iTunes or on whatever system you use to listen. And uh, once again, we are now available on Stitcher for those of you who like to listen on Stitcher. Though, if you're listening on Stitcher, you probably know that already. Today, we're going to talk about transportation and the gig economy. There's an awful lot of talk today about companies like Uber, Lyft, and Sidecar, and what some refer to as ride-sharing, though I know that others insist that this name is misleading. Either way, there's no doubt that these kinds of services are absolutely changing how some people get around. In nearly 15 years in the Bay Area, I can count on the fingers of one hand the number of times that I was in a taxi cab. And one of those only happened because the local train system, the BART, screwed up and didn't deliver me to the airport as promised, and without a cab, I would have missed my flight. However, Uber, Lyft, Sidecar, and similar services are so easy, so convenient, that these days, and these days increasingly inexpensive, that they just make it so easy. So... Some talk about how these services are disrupting the taxi business, but for many of us, it really opened up new ways to get around. And that opens up a variety of other possibilities as well. This idea was driven home to me recently when someone pointed out that the entire cab business in San Francisco was a $140 million business, but Uber is making over $500 million in San Francisco alone. Think about that for a second, and suddenly you realize that Uber isn't just disrupting the taxi business, but much, much more. Of course, Uber has run into a number of issues over the last few years concerning its attitude and competitive measures, some of which have hurt the company's reputation, and some of which people talk about but doesn't seem to really be slowing the company down. In response, the leading competitor, Lyft, has focused on positioning itself as sort of the nice version of Uber. It's an interesting battle, and when our podcast co-host, Dennis Yang, told me recently that he's been toying around and driving for both Lyft and Uber, I immediately said we should record a podcast about his experiences and our general thoughts on the market. So that's what we're doing right now. So, Dennis, let's start out with your experiences. You <laughs> uh, started out driving with Lyft, and what made you decide to do that? I did. Um, I mean, I'm... I, I'm a curious person. <laughs> um, curious and probably both meaning, meanings of the word. Um, but I, I mean, after being, you know, like living in San Francisco for, it's my 18th year here now, um, finding a cab was, was, is, was basically, you know, impossible in a lot of areas of the city. Um, and seeing how Uber and Lyft have essentially transformed the way I move around the city, mm-hmm. um, I, just, I was fascinated by it. And, you know, every time I got into either a Uber or a Lyft, I would always chat up the driver and, and ask about like, you know, what they thought of it and why they're why they're doing it. Most mostly it's for money and, and flexibility. Sure. Um, so I wanted to kind of get firsthand knowledge of of what it was like and what these platforms look like from the driver's side. Um, so I signed up for Lyft, um, and you know, one one of the one of the the main things you need to have with Lyft is uh, a four-door car that's that's newer than I think 2000. So luckily I had one, and I was like, "Great, we'll go go and drive 
um, Lyft for a little bit. And the reason why I, I started with Lyft and not Uber at that time was because Lyft allowed you to use your own phone. And Uber actually had, oh. um, I think it's, it was you know, $10 a week. or Basically, I, like, I just wanted to try it out. Right. And um, so the barrier to entry was lower with Lyft exactly. than with Uber. And I, and I think that it actually comes out if you look at the two, the, the two platforms. And mm-hmm. um, you know, one, my, my use case, if you want to call it, is, is I want to drive just once in a while mm-hmm. and for fun. And, and, um, and as, I, as I started kind of going on the clock and driving around um, and getting experience with driving for Lyft, as I was driving places, like not so-called on the clock, I started wondering to myself, I'm like, huh, like, should I, I'm driving down to my parents' house. Like, maybe I should just turn Lyft on and, mm-hmm. and see what happens. And maybe I can get there, right? So I used to play a game um, <laughs> whenever I was driving home from anywhere. In, you know, I would turn Lyft on mm-hmm. and see how close I could get to my house um, <laughs> before... <laughs> Interesting. Um, before getting called away into a different place, and you know, every time I was not in a call, I would basically drive towards my house. And if I, if, I, if someone hailed me, I would pick them up, drop them off. But and if you made it, if home. I made it home with the Lyft app on, um, that was a win. It's <laughs> <Right. laughs> an um, interesting game. The apparently the the demand in San Francisco for for rides is is so high that I I never actually made it home. <laughs> When I played that game, I got really close once. I got within two blocks of my house, and someone called me away to back yeah. back to the sunset, which is halfway across town. Yeah. Um, but they actually recently added a new feature called driver destination, uh-huh. which is I think plays it makes my my lift game not work anymore because it allows me to put a destination in. Right. And then essentially they they match you with rides on your way. Right. Which, and I think that that was. That was one of the initial things that Sidecar was really focused on, um, right, right? If I remember correctly, I have not yet driven for them, and maybe I should. All right, maybe you should I try should, it out. But I, I think that, I yeah. think with Sidecar, you could like put in. I think it was called like circles, and it was basically a huh. range in which you were, you were, you were driving, and therefore willing to drive somebody else as well. Right, and I think that and Sidecar also shows you the cars, and you can choose. And don't they have dynamic pricing as well? And uh, yeah, Sidecar. Uh, so like market pricing. I, I, I think yeah. I, I haven't really checked it lately, but I, I think initially it definitely did. Where you could you could do right. the the pricing was on the the driver's driver's discretion, right? which is which I think is is fa- a fascinating model to kind of test out as well. Yeah. Um, the one thing I will will say from a driver's experience, mm-hmm. um, the the differences between. The passengers is remarkable. <laughs> How so? Um, in Lyft, Lyft passengers, I would say about half half of Lyft passengers sit in the front, right? As um, as they advertise, and for for people who don't know, right, the the sort of positioning with Lyft is that it's it's like a, it's supposed to be like a friend driving you somewhere. Right. So they they tell you you should sit in the front seat and you should do well, a fist bump. I'll actually well I. That isn't actually the case anymore. The fist uh, right. bump is is kind of gone culturally. Right. Um, even sitting in the front is not. Mm-hmm. I, I find about half entirely. the people sit in the front. Okay. And if you don't want to be chatty, um, for me, I don't like if if you don't if I say hey how, you know how are you and they say fine and they don't ask back then that's kind of I, I try to kind of follow the social cues. Sure. And I don't engage the rider in conversation. Um, and if you sit in the front and you want to kind of ask me about my, my day and whatnot, it's basically like the same social graces you get with anybody. If they don't seem chatty, maybe I, I, I try not to chat them up. Right. Um, and I think that that's, that's one thing, you know, about Lyft, I think is 
that I'm seeing more and more now, which is like I think some people are scared to call Lyft, like some because <laughs> they're like I don't feel well, like talking. I, I mean, honestly, that was you one know? of the reasons why I, you know, early on I used Uber more, much right. more than Lyft for that very reason. You're like I don't want to talk to anybody. I, I don't want like I don't want to sit in the front seat. I don't want to do the fist bump. Right. <laughs> I, just, right. I don't want to interact with people. <laughs> but um, you don't have to, right? And I and you don't, you know. And if you sit in the back, if, especially when I'm driving Lyft and you sit in the back seat, like, mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to talk to you. I'm, I'm just going to drive you to where you're going. Right. Um, on the Uber side, you know, 100% of my passengers sat in the back seat. Right. And I would say maybe even a quarter of them never even kind of engaged me. <laughs> um, but don't they know that you get to rate them too? But, but for me, that was, like, that was that's actually, fine. that's great. You're a right. respectful, quiet passenger. Um, I'm going to just focus on driving you to where you're going quickly and safely and I don't have to talk to you. And I was like, that's, that's, that was kind of fun too. Right. Um, and in, in some cases, the passengers in the back completely forgot about the fact that I was up there and, in, and engaged <laughs> in some, in some cases, like pretty, like, li- like, um, interesting conversations. <laughs> At one point, one guy stopped himself and said, wait, this, and then kind of realizes I was there and says to me, like, this is kind of like taxi cab confessionals, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but keep going. This is fascinating. So, Interesting. Um, so, I mean, you know, that said, with Uber, I can definitely see what they're angling at, you know, in, in the world in a few years where the driver is replaced completely by an automated driver, like a driverless car. That's interesting. But what, what does... One of my friends actually brought this question up, you know, the fact that I was sitting there, mm-hmm. you know, they may have had a crazy conversation in the back, but if there's no driver, then what happens? Like there's no, there's absolutely no social yeah. grace to stop people from doing whatever they want in a driverless car. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, this just went down some paths. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. Um, okay. But, I hadn't even thought about that, but. Yeah. Yeah. The um, fact that I'm there means that you'll talk about whatever you want. You'll forget about it. Right. But who knows? But you know, that said, I think the interest the other interesting thing is that the price of the the transportation has come down so much. Yeah. Um, and some some you know, are, there are a lot of arguments who said that it, you know, taxi cabs are a regulated industry and there's mm-hmm. a reason why the prices were what they were. Yeah. Um but you know, one of my my longest lift ride was from San Francisco to Santa Cruz. Right. That's a pretty long ride. Um, what is that? It's like an hour and a half? It's an hour and a half drive. Yeah. Um, and, and it was, you know, when she got in the car and she said where she was going, I was like, do you, you know, do you mean Santa Cruz? Because that's what my <laughs> GPS is telling me. And she was like, yeah, that's where we're going. I'm like, so, I mean, that brings up things. So, like, I mean, you were talking about, like, you know, I, I mentioned the circles and the destination stuff. Yeah. But right now, like, if somebody hails a, a, an Uber or a Lyft and they say they want to, they want to, you to drive them to LA, right? What would, is there? Can you say no? How does uh, that work? I, I mean, know. so you're you're supposed to take every job that you you can. If right. you don't feel safe doing anything, you you don't have to take it. You can you can basically do anything you want, right? Uh-huh. At the risk of being rated badly. Sure. Um, and the distance thing, I think Lyft after 100 miles asks you you have to stop the ride and restart it again. Oh wow! Okay. Um, and I don't remember what Uber's limit, but there are limits, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you want to drive all the way to LA, you can, and you don't hit that 12 hours per 24 hours limit because um, each platform, I, th- I think there's a law oh, really? um, that prevents you from driving more than 12 hours at a time. Oh, really? I in a 24-hour period. Oh. Um, 
I did, I did encounter one driver that was on his 16th hour, huh. um, but he was able to do that because he drove for both platforms, <laughs> which did not make me feel about very safe. Um, but, so, uh, so, yeah. uh, so, so let me ask this. So, so you, yeah. so you drove for Lyft um, and you did that a, a bunch of times and then, yeah. and then you tried Uber. What made you try Uber? Um, I mean, frankly, they they placed a very well targeted ad on Facebook. That <laughs> um, I'm assuming, you know, I'm I'm pretty familiar with the way you can buy Facebook ads. Um, you know, I'm I'm part of a number of Lyft groups on Facebook because that's where the drivers the driver discussions happen, and that's right. actually fascinating for me to see what people are talking about. What people? What are people um, talking about on the Lyft uh, Facebook groups? I mean, there's there's a there's a lot of interesting things. You know, one one thing that is. This whole concept of this gig economy, um, mm-hmm. the, the contractor debate, is one thing that people are talking about a lot. Um, people and, that, are, and that and that debate is: Are they a contractor or an employee? Right. Exactly. Right. And there's and just for background, right? There are a bunch of lawsuits um, going on right now that are charging. Uh, one in California, there've been in a few different states, but in California, there's one against Lyft and there's one against Uber. Right. And the judges have kind of indicated that under California law, that Lyft and Uber drivers may actually be employees rather than contractors, and that has a whole bunch of possible consequences that could actually make it um, much more difficult to for for both companies right. to operate in California. Yeah, and I think that you know, one of the resounding things that I do see on on um, both the Lyft and the Uber groups is how much appreciation that people have for the opportunity mm-hmm. to work this much, right? Mm-hmm. And it is really hard work. You know, I think the longest shift I've ever done is maybe four or five hours at a time. Right. And it's it's tiring. Yeah. You know? um, that said, I think there are a lot of people out there that are hungry for for a job, an opportunity to work at a job that has flexible hours, right? So that they can basically come on and off the clock. And on top of that, it has enough hours, right? Mm-hmm. That... If I'm if I'm wanting to work twelve hours today, then I can work twelve hours today, and and I think it is amazing that Lyft and Uber have provided this type of an opportunity for people to work. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I think that that's like an unemployed person is is a person that wants that wants to work but doesn't have the right. opportunity. Um, Whereas this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity, and I think that it just shows how many people are hungry. For you know, I guess for money, right? They they need mm-hmm. to work um, to earn a living, and I think that that's it's it's kind of amazing for me to kind of see. And it also, it's also you're your own boss. You're you're setting your own hours. Mm-hmm. You're working a lot. Um, I mean, one of the biggest complaints that said is that in the current price war that's going on between Lyft and Uber, um, you know, it, I guess last year when people were driving, there was. They were making much, much more money than mm-hmm. than they are today. So, so you know, there's downward price pressure. And so, and but you have, I mean, there are a number of different factors there. One, you certainly have the competition right. from Lyft and Uber, uh, but then also even within the platform, you probably have more drivers signing up. Right. So more competition, which which effectively, I mean, Uber and Lyft are still setting the prices, yes. un- unlike Sidecar. But but there is a, a market pressure when you have more supply. The pricing is probably going to go down. Right, but I think that I mean it, it's it's actually a fascinating market exercise mm-hmm. to take a look at, you know, because for in the case of Lyft and Uber, they don't necessarily want either either side of the market to be kind of in in demand, right? They you mm-hmm. want they want they want it to be even, right? Um, you want you want maybe from the driver's side, you know, 
you want to give them enough of a reason to work. And on the rider side, you never want to wait more than five minutes for a ride. Right. So yeah. you don't want, you don't want drivers sitting around and you don't want riders right. waiting for cars. Yeah. And you know, my experience may be very, very different because I'm, I'm driving in San Francisco, but I would say that, you know, my idle time while driving in San Francisco out of an hour was maybe, you know, 10 minutes. Mm. Right. Okay. Um, which is fascinating to me yeah. is that, that, there's enough liquidity in that marketplace such that I'm working 50 minutes out of an hour. Yeah. And, and um, in terms of, you know, and then the thing that people always come back to is, you know, how much money are, are, can be made if the rates are going down. You know, it's one thing to say people are hungering for a job and hungering to, right. you know, be able to work to make, make right. a living, but can they make a living doing these services? Obviously, you're not doing I'm, it to make a living. I'm not but. making it to do a living. Um, my, my car, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an older car, but it gets really bad gas mileage. Um, <laughs> so are you losing money? No, I'm, I'm probably, you know, making between 30 to to $50 an hour gross, uh-huh. right? Okay. But then if you if you take your standard IRS mileage deduction uh-huh. of uh, what's, I think it's 56 cents a mile right now. Okay. Um, you know, it's actually maybe about, you know, half of that goes goes away as far, huh. as, far as expenses. And I'm, I'm not even, you know, that's that's accounting for everything, right? So that, that, that deduction will essentially give me, you know, depreciation of the car, gas, et cetera. If you, if you itemize it and do kind of gas and my insurance and whatnot, like, I don't know what that calculation, but it's easier for me it's just, just to do a straight-up deduction. Right. Um, what worries me is that, you know, I just got a text this morning from Uber saying, like, do you need a new car? Like, <laughs> we have financing options for you right. to yeah. come and, and buy these new cars. And, you know, the other day I was at, I was filming a, at the gas station, and another driver came. I don't know how he... I didn't have my mustache on the car, so I don't know how he knew I was driving. But I thought he, they were doing away with the mustache. Yeah, I think they are, but... um. But he was, you know, it was late, late at night. I, I guess I looked, I looked like I was driving. Um, but he came up <laughs> to me. You have that look. Yeah, that look. <laughs> and he came up to me and he, and he basically you know, started complaining. He's like, yeah, you know, I just, started, I just got into this lease of this brand new Toyota Camry hybrid. I mean, that's like a forty or $50,000 car maybe. Right? Yeah. Um, and to have, to, to place that amount of capital, you know, into this job just seems like a bad financial decision. And that what that's what worries me is that, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, he like that doesn't seem like a great decision. Um, if you want to make money at it, I say buy, you know, a fi- like five year old car, maybe a hunt, like a Honda, a used Prius or mm-hmm. a used Honda that's just going to go forever. So your costs of ownership are really low such that, you know, you can make, you can make an okay living. Right. Right. And I think you, you're definitely, you're you're paying for your flexibility mm-hmm. and your security with with the fact that you're a, you're able to work at any time, right? Um, so I do wonder, you know, it's like, and now especially, you know, there's there's such a big kind of buzz about this whole gig economy coming up. Yeah. Um, like there's you know Spoon Rocket, you can deliver food, you can do, you can run uh, groceries with Instacart, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can do. I guess Ship is the latest one that I yep, really like, which is uh, talking about Ship. Um, you know, I've I've shipped a number of packages now, um, so it's like, it's interesting, but at the same time, like, so it does make me question what we as a society like want employment to be. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And I'm an entrepreneur. And I and I applaud the fact that like this it feels entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, like is it really? <laughs> right. I mean, in some ways, like I think of it the same way as like 
like like franchise businesses, right? I mean, right. Are, are franchise businesses entrepreneurial, right? I mean, like some people, yeah. you know, to some extent they are, but, you know, within certain prescribed limits, right. they're entrepreneurial. Like you can't, you know, if you open up a McDonald's, right. you can't, you know, paint it green and purple, right? And right. so, you know, you're you're limited within certain things, but you are owning your own business. And the same may be true of, the kind of Uber and Lyft and, and other aspects of the gig economy where you're an entrepreneur within this framework and that, that gives you certain opportunities but also provides certain limits. Right. And at, and at what point, like, will driving for one of these platforms eventually be, require a membership fee? And, like, you know, right, like, we're going to go in that direction of, like, a multi-level marketing thing. Sure. Um, that that and seems recruit scary. Other, recruit other drivers. Right. Like, <laughs> oh, you know, like, basically, yeah. Like, I mean, I... I don't know. I'm I'm conflicted, right? Like I think that. Um, <laughs> oh gosh! Now I'm thinking like, uh, what a what a someone is going to do a multi level marketing right? uh, ride sharing kind of kind of thing. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's actually my, that's a great idea. I know. Well, there's a there's a part of me that's like that's that's a great idea for a business to get somebody rich, and it's a horrible idea because so many people are going to get screwed by it. Right. I mean, <laughs> you know, that said, to take it back, like I, I think like I'm. I haven't worked in, you know, like an office job, like where I guess I've done startups, but, mm-hmm. but I love the flexibility of working when I want to work. Right. Right. And I think the way, the way, you know, we ran things at Tector is like we work kind of fills in everywhere. You don't put something else. Right. So make sure you make, make <laughs> room for, for your life. And, yeah. you know, you don't necessarily have to be tied to a desk from, you know, this hour to this hour. Right. And I think that that's, the fact that technology is an enabling that kind of a lifestyle for more people, I think is amazing. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, what I do worry is that, you know, at what point is it exploitative? Sure. Um, and that's, and that's the question that always comes up and that's where yeah. it gets into these sort of labor questions and the whole issue of, you know, contractor versus em- employee and, and, you know, right. You know, if you go back, right. I mean, we've only, you know, the idea of like an office job is really something that is, you know, a little more than a century old right. traditionally, right? And right. yet nowadays it's seen as so common, but now we're, we're really starting to challenge that. Yeah. And I think that's and like, why is it, why is it better to make someone come in every day Yeah, um, rather than just say, hey, you know what, we're going to give you incentives. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you want to work, we hope you will want to work. Here's what you get paid. And yeah, you you get to figure out how to run the rest of your life, you know, if you want. Right. Is like that seem that seems like that seems like a great society, right? Potentially, right? But it's, it's only a great society if if you can do it in that way where enough people can actually make a living, right? So and that's where the concern comes in, and that's where you know right. labor law and labor protections are, are things sure. that, that come up. But and, I guess then what's what's the argument that says you know okay so if you can't if I'm not providing you enough money with which to make a living, right? Mm-hmm. Then why do you continue to do this? Well, if there are no other options, right? but there's there are there are, there are plenty of other <laughs> options, or or am I just sitting? Kind of, it's it's nice that I can drive Lyft, you know, for fun, and and I and I definitely recognize that, and like, it's it seems like there's opportunity everywhere. Um, maybe maybe I, maybe I need to kind of you know I guess check my privilege. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's and it's possible, and, and like yeah, I mean we we're we're not in a position where you know we need 
you know, we need to do this to earn a living. Right. Um, and so, you know, I'm sure the perspective of someone who is doing it because they have no other options right. um, would be very different. Um, but yeah, I know. I mean, I, you know, I definitely lean towards the side of, you know, I think this is really interesting and, and really powerful and, yeah. and also, you know, creates the possibility for things that, that really couldn't be done before. And that's always where I think right. innovation gets the most exciting. Um, but that, I mean, you know, basically what we have now with Uber and Lyft is essentially a platform with which you can hire a person mm-hmm. to take you from A to B. And I think the fascinating thing that I, that's happening in my mind right now is like, you know, what, what if, what if I need someone to help me move you know, this couch. Okay, great. Hopefully I'll, I'll order an Uber or a box, call it a box mm-hmm. um, that can move my box. What if I want him to help me move it to carry it into my house? Mm-hmm. Can he just stay on the clock and it essentially becomes like a flexible way to hire somebody for a certain amount of time? Like turn your car off. This way you're not even driving any miles and putting any miles in your car. Right. Now, do you mind it actually just, you know, helping me move this box or, you know, I just need to stand in line here at the post office, <laughs> sure. um, park right. it. I'm going to you know, pay your meter. Like, is it a platform is, you know, is our Uber and Lyft going to eventually, can they become kind of a f- more flexible work platform? Right. Pla- um, platform for any kind of labor, right. which is what task credit <laughs> started off as. Right. right. Um, and, and what I wonder why, you know, I, I think task hasn't done nearly as well as Uber and Lyft is, yeah. you know, they started off almost too broad. Right. Yeah. And um, even, I mean, even something that goes back like mechanical Turk on, right. on Amazon, right? right? Which, you know, that was more, you know, it was, it wasn't physical labor so much as to some extent intellectual labor. Yeah. Right. But, you know, you look at that marketplace and, and the, the issue with that one was that the pricing got driven down so incredibly low. Right. I mean, I think in that case, the supply and demand are just out of whack. Yeah. Right? I love that platform. Mm-hmm. I struggle to figure out a project that right. I could use Mechanical Turk for. Right. Um, but, you, I mean, you might not be the target audience. There are certainly yeah. audiences that, that, that make use of Mechanical Turk. Right. But, I, but the pricing on that platform tells me that the supply is still kind of, yeah, it's demand limited in, in that sense, right? Yeah, so, no, I think that's I think that's true. Yeah. Um, but you know, I I think it I think that Uber and Lyft and, and do certainly represent kind of a new way of looking at some of these things, for better or for worse. And and certainly some people complain about it. And and I mean, so right. I mean, let's bring. I up, mean, the the people that are complaining, you know, if I were a taxi cab medallion owner, yeah. you know, holder, yeah, I would definitely hate it. Right. Well, sure. I mean, that's um, just, but that's because it's competition, right? Yeah. I mean, you could argue, right? I mean, taxi cab. There are cabs who, who use Uber as well as as a, you know, lead generation. Right. Um, but it's still a lot more competition on the streets, and right. so that's definitely a concern. And I think, you know, I mean, one of the interesting things is that it's certainly demonstrated, and there have been arguments about this for years, about, you know, whether or not we really needed taxi medallions to limit the number of cabs in the street. And, right. and the, the taxi lobby said, you know, for safety reasons and all this kind of stuff. Right. I, I think, for the most part, there have certainly been an occasional incident with an Uber or a Lyft driver, some of which are, right. you know, disturbing or horrifying. But, you know, I... But if, I think for the most part, I mean, the reason why Lyft and Uber are able to do what they do now without call it a lot of regulation is because you know it's a lot more difficult now to hoodwink somebody yeah and get away with it well that's you know and and that's where there's which is great there's this whole interesting thing which is right i mean basically 
you know, the, the regulation in many of these areas was really just um, a, a way of dealing with the lack of of right. information flow, right? I mean, it's an yeah, information exactly. asymmetry. You don't know if, if this is a trustworthy, yeah. um, and therefore you had regulation. Whereas the, the wonderful thing about the internet and certainly mobile today is the fact that you can build up trust infrastructure that takes away some of the need, perhaps not all of it, but some of the need for, for the regulatory infrastructure. So let me ask one other question about... Sure. The, because you know, one of the regulatory things that keeps coming up with both Uber and Lyft is this question of like background checks to make sure that you're you're a safe driver. Sure, and, and, I, you know, I pass them all. Checking out your car. How, how, how does? <laughs> I mean, what did? I mean, how much did you have to do to get approved on both platforms? Um, I mean, and, they, and were they different, or was it basically the same process? Both of them sure? basically are are pretty similar. I would say kind of cursory. Uh -huh. um, they did a background check. And I, I consented in both cases to a background check. Mm -hmm. um, both cases kind of looked at my car, made sure I had one seatbelt per passenger. <laughs> um, that's basically it. They never, never, you know, the, they assume if you have a driver's license, you are able to drive safely, mm -hmm. which, you know, hopefully that's the case. Um, they check your, you know, in that background check, I'm, I'm assuming they're looking for arrests and I'm not sure about traffic violations or whatnot, but I'm, you know, I have a, I'm a pretty clean driver. Right. Um, so, I mean, that's, it, it was pretty, pretty easy for me to get through it. Um, you know, and seeing how many drivers are on the road, I'm, I'm guessing that it's, it's actually fairly straightforward. Yeah. Well, um, I, I wonder, I mean, and I'm sure Uber and Lyft, you know, have huge data analysis operations and, and I right. wonder how quickly, they believe that they can tell whether or not a driver is good or bad. And I would bet that they can tell pretty quickly. Right. I mean, the the lower is, you know, once you get a few bad ratings and your average goes down, you will get kicked off the platform. Right. Um, you know, thankfully, my ratings have been pretty high up until this point. So, and I think that people, you know, drivers definitely are very, very concerned about the rating. Right. Um, and they, they try really hard to get that the five stars. Yeah. And anything below five stars is a concern when you're a driver. So, yeah. And I, I mean, I, you know, it's interesting too, because like, you know, I've definitely seen the same sort of thing in terms of like using Airbnb, right. Whereas like the experience that I've had from, from hosts where I've stayed at, at their places, right. You know, they've gone above and beyond in terms of making yeah. sure that, that the stay was, was great. And, you know, so now I'll, I'll tell people, I mean, people, they talk about, you know, fear of, you know, the dangers of Airbnb, but like my experience in using Airbnbs has been better than a hotel in almost every yeah. way. Um, and same thing with both, on both sides, you know, I think mm -hmm. um, Uber and Lyft, when I'm on a, when I'm a rider, like all of the drivers that, for the most part, there's been one or two examples where I think it's been a poor experience, but it, like never have I had a cab that's gone out of their way to make the ride as pleasant, <laughs> right? As yeah. as like I've I've gotten on the Lyft and an Uber, and maybe that's maybe that's part of novelty, and that'll wear off after the platforms become more ubiquitous and the drivers become more jaded. Yeah. But for the most part, right now, the like, experiences are pretty experiences good. are great, and the same yeah. with Airbnb. I so. mean, yeah. Come to think of it, I mean, my using Lyft and Uber, like the drivers definitely do seem nicer than, than just taking a cab. Right. Well, because there's you know. The cab is not rewarded at all for providing right. five star experiences, right? right? Whereas Lyft and Uber drivers, like if you if you go above and beyond, like I'll comment on right. the the driver and say that was amazing and wonderful, and hopefully that goes into some sort of a feedback system. You know, the the incentives are aligned properly. Yeah, and that's that's what I think is 
you know, not only is it more convenient, um, but the incentives are aligned in the right ways on both sides. Right? The drivers are incented to provide really good service. Yeah. Um, and hopefully the riders are actually also incented to be good passengers because we rate you guys as well. Right, right. So. And, so, and so when, and we'll just finish up after this, but, uh, you know, when you get, you know, someone is hailing a ride, right. you see their rating and you can reject it if, if you... If you want. But um, the two things that both platforms kind of watch closely uh-huh. are your response rate, mm-hmm. you know, um, and your rating. So those are the two things um, that they're really kind of keeping an eye on. And if you if you decline more than, say, 10% mm-hmm. of the rides that you're assigned, then they'll, they'll start to kind of huh. you know, question whether or not you really need to be on the platform or not. Right. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a fascinating data problem how to match riders and drivers. Yeah. Um, you know, they're getting better. Both platforms are getting better. And, you know, back months ago when I was first driving, I would constantly get hails from, you know, good 5, 10, 15 minutes away and going in the wrong direction, downtown San Francisco, right. which is, you know, a minefield <laughs> of one-way streets. And now, like, more consistently, I'm, it's... It's like my the, the the rider is hailing a ride and it's two blocks ahead of me in the direction in which I'm going. Right. And I'm like, wow, that's you know that's pretty a, good. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> um, which is awesome, right? Like, yeah. like on the other side, as a as a passenger, you can hail, you can push the button, and a car arrives. And, like I think I showed up one. It was thirty seconds. I was oh there. Oh my goodness. And the guy was like, what? Whoa, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's that's kind of that's where we're going, right? Like, yeah. This whole concept of, you know, calling a cab, you used to have to call a cab half an hour before yeah. you wanted to go anywhere or in even San Francisco. Like, yeah. Um, I mean, I, or like I know, like taking a cab to the airport in the morning or something, you'd want to call the night, the night before, before to make sure and then hope that they even actually so show you're up. hoping. Yeah, yeah. You're hoping that they go. Um, so, I mean, I think it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. I mean, living in San Francisco, um, these, these hailing platforms have definitely changed how I get around the city. Um, but, you know, I'm excited to see, you know, where, where it's all going. And, you know, if, as far as employment is concerned, if we can move the entire population over to kind of a more flexible, enjoyable way of working such that you can work whenever you want, like however much you want, um, it seems like, it seems like a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are legitimate concerns though about, you know. Uh, abuse and exploitation in that. Sure, but and and the fact that you know commoditization in any marketplace applies kind of downward price pressure. Yep. Um, so which so I, is, I mean, again though, which is good for consumers, but potentially yeah. you know. Right, but Lyft, as from the driver's side, Lyft mm-hmm. has tipping. Uber does not. Oh, okay. I didn't um, know that. So drivers like the tipping. Yeah. Ob- obviously, right, and I think that that to me seems like a great reason why, as a Lyft driver, you would provide. Not just five star experience, which is what you're aiming for, which is kind of the you know run of the mill. Yeah. But you would provide above and beyond, right? You would you would really provide superior. Okay. So interesting. All right. Well, um, do you have any sort of final thoughts to wrap this up? I mean, I think you. Were, yeah, I think that that was. I mean, that was my <laughs> that was my final thought. Um, you know, I'm going to continue to drive both Lyft and Uber on on, a, on just a casual basis to kind of see the development of the platform. Do you use them both at one time? or you uh, No, no, I don't. Um, it, that's too confusing for me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have to, you have to change your trade dress is what they call it, the little sticker they put in the window. Oh, really? It's called trade dress, yeah. And Interesting. And the, 
the law or the, what the rules are, you have to have that in your window. Oh, okay. Um, so, you know, that, that would, I know people do both platforms at the same time to kind of maximize utilization. Yeah. But as far as, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I, it seems whenever I drive, I'm, I'm fully utilized. So there's no need to. Right. Um, and I'm not going to chase surge or, right. or a prime time <laughs> as the lift is called. Um, so, but it's, it's great. And it's, you know, definitely had some inf- interesting conversations. I've, the one thing I've definitely learned is, you know, even though I've been living here for 18 years, I don't know how to get around <laughs> the San Francisco nearly as well as I thought I did. Yeah. Um, but I'm learning. Um, <laughs> It'll be like the, the, the London yeah. with the London cabbie. Yeah. The, the, and their, the knowledge. Exactly. Cemented um, in their brains. So that's, that's been great because I've always been a, a root optimizer around the city. So. Right. That's fun. <laughs> All right. Well, that was very interesting. And um, if you have any thoughts on that as a listener or if you've, driven for any of these companies or driven with them and you have any feedback or thoughts uh, definitely let us know and uh, thanks for joining us once again we'll be back next week it's truth and I'm inclined to agree listen we live in an age of instant information so isn't it strange that things have been hidden away from us governments think we need to gain their trust but it's the other way around just take a look nothing tells us more than more data does so it's important it's all available to us. Plus, put up for debate and looked at by the public's gaze. Because there's a lot more to be gained from taking off the